A number of years ago, during the war, there were several folks traveling on a train, and, and there were seats that faced each other in that day. There was a young woman who was traveling with her grandma. They were facing a general who was traveling with his attache, a, a corporal. And they entered a tunnel, and everything got pitch black dark. And in the middle of that darkness, there were two sounds. There was this kiss, and then a loud slap. <laughs> they emerged from the tunnel into the light, looking at each other, no one saying a word, and the young lady, was thinking, wow, that's awesome. That corporal kissed me. But I am so sorry my grandmother slapped him. <laughs> the grandmother said how brash, in her mind, how brash of that young man to kiss my granddaughter. And I am so glad she slapped him. The general is thinking, wow, way to go. I'm so proud of you, Corporal, for kissing the girl. But I have no clue why she slapped me. <laughs> and the corporal is sitting there thinking, that was awesome. I got to kiss the girl and slap my commanding officer <laughs> at the same time. In that moment, there were lots of different thoughts going through each mind on that train. Just like in these moments, there are a lot of different thoughts and emotions going through us who are gathered here today. I am grateful. Button-popping grateful. The incredible opportunity I have had in leading and shepherding this congregation for 17 and a half years. And I know that there is a sense of grief and loss Sadness, because this relationship that we've had is going to change. I am excited for what God is up to in this place. This is a celebration today of a life, lives spent together, shared together, all kind of circumstances. And it's a celebration, really, of a, of a new chapter, just like it was 17 and a half years ago, where Jack stepped aside and, and I had the privilege of coming in. I'm excited, as excited for this congregation today as I was 17 and a half years ago, because I believe, as I've shared all these years, that Bethel's best days... That those best days are still ahead. Coming back to uh, Columbus was uh, 
my, my life, my ministry has come full circle. I, many of you know that I grew up less than a mile from here as the crow flies at the corner of Case and Go Down Road. And I grew up, though, in a, in, in a religious tradition that was basically really revolved around lots of rules and kind of a religious system. And it's, it's what many of us do. We grow up knowing rules and how we are to live and uh, how we're supposed to live. And it's usually on we're supposed to be doing the right things. But I grew up in a neighborhood where all of the young ladies in our neighborhood went to Whetstone High School. I went to another high school in the area. And uh, they all got involved in this ministry. I did not know it was a ministry at the time called Young Life. And uh, they kept inviting me to go. And, and I, I had religion up to here. And uh, it, it's easy to, to overload sometimes on religion, especially when you're a teenager and you think it's all just rules. But they told me that there'd be a hundred high school girls from Whetstone. Amen. <laughs> so I felt the call of God to go check out <laughs> and see if that was true. And it was. But it was that night when I entered this living room with a hundred high school girls from Whetstone and about 50, 60 guys and uh, it was where I first heard the gospel, where I first heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, it's not that, that the church I was a part of didn't talk about Jesus, but it, not in a way that I could grasp that connected with what was going on in my life. And uh, that, that night, it, it changed my life. And... Uh, Believe it or not, it's the text that we're going to look at this morning is the text I heard that night. And it's part of our Come and See series. We're, uh, we're in a series, Come and See. And it's, it's from when the angels on Easter morning, it's an invitation when the women came who wanted to bury Jesus properly because he was arrested and convicted and crucified. They didn't have a chance to prepare the body and so they had to wait till Sunday morning. And uh, when they got there, the stone had rolled away. And there was an angel. And the, the words from the angel is, come and see. Come see where they laid him. But also, come see he's not theirs. See this thing for yourself. And now go and tell the others. So we're looking uh, from... From Easter on and through the summer here at Bethel, we're looking at uh, the gospel according to Matthew with the invitation, come and see something that will absolutely blow you away that you can't help go and tell someone else. So hear the word from uh, Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. When he, Jesus, and this is after the Sermon on the Mount, came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I am willing. Be clean. 
Immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So this story was read, and it's a story I was unfamiliar with. And the Young Life leader, whose name was Dave Choco, he, he began to unpack the story about leprosy, and that it was a disease that was fatal. And it was called, it was so bad, it was called the finger of God disease because if you had this disease, you must have made God angry in some way and you are being punished. And so because of that and because it was contagious and it was a disease that started at the extremities and it ate away whole tissues and it ate away ligaments and began at your nose and your ears, it disfigured you. And, and, and then this David, who, you know, was, he said, you know, it would eat away the ligaments, the tendons, the muscle, and your finger would fall off. And you could actually, back then, pick it up and give somebody the finger. <laughs> I was sold. I was sold. This, this was my kind of, this was my kind of place to hear about Jesus. <laughs> People were afraid of the disease because it was so horrendous. And because it was the finger of God disease, you were kicked out of the synagogue. You couldn't be around religious whole people. You couldn't be around town people and you couldn't be around family. So you were literally kicked out of life to be with others in your condition. And it was so bad that the Roman government said you had the legal right if, uh, if a leper came within so many feet of you, first of all, they had to say unclean, unclean, wherever they went. And you had the legal right, if they came close, to pick up a stone and stone them to death because they violated this safety zone. So the text says, a man with leprosy came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And David said, you know, the disciples, everyone's looking for the biggest rocks because they're going to have this party and stone this guy. And he does a hook slide in front of Jesus. And it says, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Why would Jesus touch him? He could heal with a word. And I love what Mark writes, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels. And it's like seeing a, a situation from different directions. When Mark writes about this, he says, Jesus was filled with compassion. That word filled with compassion is where we get the word irritable bowel. <laughs> it's hurting inside. It says that Jesus hurt inside for this person. He reached out his hand and he touched him. I, I'm thinking that can't be. It's so different than the faith tribe I grew up with. You see, I grew up learning that Jesus would touch you after you cleaned up your act. 
after you did X, Y, and Z, then God will love you. But it was that night that I heard he touched him before he healed him. He embraced him while he was still full of leprosy, while he was still broken, while he was still an outcast. It was the first time I encountered the word grace. God's unmerited favor that we could never, never earn or it's free. And that summer at Silvercliff Ranch, a Young Life property, I, I, I wanted, I wanted to be in a relationship with Jesus, who would love me like that. And it was the year that uh, B.J. Thomas, remember raindrops keep falling on my head. He wrote. He had a Christian album. And this, I, this, I think, helps us to understand what that leper felt, what I felt, and what I hope you would feel. The lyrics are, you gave me time when no one gave me time of day. You looked deep inside while the rest of the world looked away. You smiled at me when there were just frowns everywhere. You gave me love when nobody gave me a prayer. The chorus is, that's why I call you savior. That's why I call you friend. You touched my heart. You touched my soul and helped me start all over again. That's why I love you, Jesus. That's why I'll always care. You gave me love when nobody gave me a prayer. You gave me laughter after I cried all my tears. You heard my dreams while the rest of the world closed its ears. I looked in your eyes and I found tenderness there. You gave me love when nobody gave me a prayer. All of my seminary degrees, a couple masters in theology, a, a master in divinity, a doctor of ministry, never took me to a place as David did that first night. And that's why I call you savior. That's why I call you friend. You touched my heart, you touched my soul, and helped me start all over again. That's why I love you, Jesus. That's why I'll always care. You gave me love when no one gave me a prayer. 
From that moment on, I wanted every high school person to know the love that God would have for them. And every adult and every person, whether they're in church or not, to know that kind of a God. You and I might not have the disease of leprosy. They have, in the last century, come up with a, a bit of a cure. But here's what I want you to know. Back then, when this leper went to see the priests as Jesus commanded, I have looked at this, I have studied this. It's probably the first time that a priest ever heard of anyone being cured of leprosy because it was incurable. And you and I might not have the physical disease of leprosy, but it's a great picture into that, what we talked about earlier in the worship service, that idea of sin, which means missing the mark of what God would call us to be. And a funny thing about sin, like leprosy, it begins in small ways and then eats away at us. And we end up hanging out with people who are like us. There was no cure for leprosy, but Jesus provided the cure because he is the one who made the leper. There is no cure for this disease called sin except through Jesus Christ who gave his life, who paid the penalty, who took our sin on himself. It was nailed to a cross. Without the shedding of blood, the Bible says, sins cannot be forgiven. I learned that 51 years ago and have not stopped telling people since. Here's what I want to say to you at, at Bethel. It's because of this church that I got to hear the gospel. You see, when David Bethchoko came to Columbus, they went to Whetstone High School. That was kind of the basis of operation. And Bethel Presbyterian Church was their church. This is where they worshiped. And this is where they were supported. And this is where a number of the committee folks came out of to have this ministry explode in Columbus, Ohio. You supported a ministry that impacted my life. It's your fault that I'm here. Amen. It's amazing. I became your pastor because you invested in people hearing about Jesus Christ some 50 years ago. It is amazing to me. I am the fruit of this church's ministry. So I want to thank you for investing in what you could not see at the time. And I don't want you to stop because there are so many out there that need to hear about Jesus. They need to hear the gospel. 
this week of the 49 kids, 17 made some kind of a, of a movement toward acknowledging Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. And one of those may one day fill this pulpit or another pulpit or impact the world for Jesus Christ because you invested in what you could not see but knew that God was in. I am grateful that the Lord brought me here. The story, you might not know that the committee was in a long process and it had come down to a couple of candidates. And uh, I decided, partly because of God's call and partly because there was a blonde that I liked in Columbus. I called Charlie New, and I said, Charlie, I'd, I'd like to throw my hat in the ring. And uh, the committee was meeting, and I, I, he, he took it over my PIF, personal information form, and, and they, they, they gave me a shot. They said, we'd like to interview you, and uh, let me have those that are here stand up and take the fall for this thing. <laughs> Kelly Reinhardt, where are you? Kelly, you are on the committee. Dorothy Briss, I don't know if Dorothy is here today. Uh, Rick Froiler, are you here? Hiding, no, there you are. And Thane Thatcher, where's Thane? There you go. The, those are, those four are uh, our folks who were on the committee. It gets worse. <laughs> 116 of you said okay to their choice. If you were one of those 116 that in 2004 you heard me say a few words and decided I'd be okay as your pastor, would you stand? Notice that most of them are in the back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And if you have come to be part of Bethel since 2004, would you stand? And we want to applaud you. You are the fruit of their labor and their prayers. That was 6,393 days ago, in case you were wondering. 6,393 days we have been together, shared life together, shared ministry together. I have learned from you. I have been blessed by you. You have blessed myself. You have blessed Lori. Many of you, if you stand, if you sang at our wedding, some of you go ahead and stand. If you were here, you sang at our wedding. Just you, Stu? You were the only one? There seemed to be more. There we go. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, not so excited about that one, huh? Just... Sorry, Lori. I thought they did good. But... Uh, and uh, I, I want to thank Lori, who uh, 
for these past 17 and a half years have had dinners by herself um, a lot more than she should have. And um, our vacations, she hadn't had a vacation in 17 and a half years because I'm free on weekends, or not free on weekends, and she is, and I'm free during the week, and she's not, and so we're, we're looking forward to what that might look like, having vacations together. And now we need to step away for a time. You have loved us. You have prayed for us. You have encouraged us. You have prayed for our five children, for our 12 grandchildren. It's been a privilege to be your pastor these past 17 and a half years. Started when somebody told me about Jesus. So I want to, just in a charge, I want to remind you nothing new. I want, I want you to stay simple. Simple for those who uh, may be here for the first time is, is kind of our, our how do we stay faithful. And, and it goes, the S stands for study the life of Christ. And, and uh, because we want to model our lives after the way Christ lived and loved. It, it's, it's the same as remember growing up in elementary school, you had a hoop of grammars. I had no clue what that was. It sounded like something at the zoo. But a hoopogrammas is when you trace the letters of the alphabet. You learn to write cursive by tracing the letters. Hoopogrammas is where you trace something and it becomes part of you. Simple, we want to study the life of Christ. I want you to continue to invest in the three things that are eternal. Everything else will pass away. Invest in God, his word, and people. Those are the only three things that will last. Everything else, your investment, will not have dividends in eternity. The next thing I want you to do is to use your spiritual gifts. You are wired for ministry, all of you. If you name Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you are gifted you come with preloaded software for the kingdom of God. You are God's masterpiece. The word in the Bible is a poem. You are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he pre-placed in you to make a difference in the world. I want you to continue to pray because this is not about what we do. It's about what God does through us. I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit, God's presence inside of us. And, and I wear this, this uh, bracelet, for no other better word, that says kegs on it. People ask me about my keg bracelet because it stands for that you are called by God. Called. God has a purpose for your life. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit with the same power, the Bible says, that raised Jesus from the dead. You are gifted by the Holy Spirit to make a difference in the world. You each have a spiritual gift. You need to use it. It's why he put you here. You are gathered in community, this wonderful gathering of God's people at the corner of Reed and Bethel Road. You are a gift to each other. 
And you know what I love about this place? Is that everybody is on a first name basis. And what I mean by that is, of course we know your first name. But when your name is used, people know who we're talking about. You don't need a last name. Because we're so familiar with who we are as covenant partners together. And we are sent. We have the good news that will help people know that they are duly loved by God. And then I want you to expect great things. Bethel's best days are ahead. I am proud to have been your pastor. I will always be your friend. You think about that. Amen.